Evening, y'all. This is Joshua, and you're listening to The Hero Complex. Hey, how y'all doing out there tonight? Um, So, thank you guys for sticking with me, and I apologize for the long, long hiatus. Um... Had some technical issues, had to fix some stuff, but tonight I wanted to go over one of the best stories that I have ever read that is basically a non-canon story, and that is Batman the White Knight. So, Batman the White Knight is a collection of stories that was written by Sean Murphy with Matt Hollingsworth being the inker. Now, Sean Murphy is the artist and writer of this story. And this was imprinted on the, or this was published by the DC Black Label imprint um, back in, I think, 2018. Uh, It was a long-standing story. Really good, really, really good, uh, in my opinion. But Batman the White Knight is basically an alternate reality. Um, It does not take place in the canon reality of the DC universe. Cause at the same time this was happening, I think DC, uh, dark or, um, DC metal was happening at the same time. So you kind of had some coinciding stories or stories that were happening at the same time. So at the opening of this story, it basically shows the Batmobile going down the trail to enter Arkham Asylum. And you, at this point, you don't know who is in the Batmobile. You, you assume it's Batman because it's the Batmobile. Well, as it's making its way down, it comes to the big uh, or the opening of Arkham Asylum where there's guards waiting to receive this visitor. So the driver gets out and it's not Batman. It's a man who's dressed in business attire that walks with sort of an air of authority and familiarity with his grounds. Excuse me. Now, the guest is led to the cell block of whoever he's visiting, which you don't know at this time, and but informs the guard that he knew his way around when the guard was like, well, this way. But he said he he knows his way around well enough. A simple question is asked, which informs us of the reason the person is at Arkham. And he asks, how is he? And once he does that, the panel shows Batman in chains in a cell, just sitting there waiting. The answer given is reveals the actual mystery, the actual identity of the mystery guest. And he's told it's been quiet. He hasn't said a word, Mr. Joke. And he kind of stammers and to correct himself. And he goes, Mr. Napier. So what we're told is this man is Jack Napier, a.k.a. the Joker. No makeup, dressed in business attire, looking seemingly like nothing's wrong with him. Now this, now they stand toe-to-toe, well actually, when they show the picture of Batman in chains, sort of with, with Jack Napier standing in the door of the cell, just looking in on Batman, um... You can see, and the way that Sean Murphy kind of does foreboding or uh, foreshadowing is he shows 
the silhouette of the Joker, messy hair and all. It's just the shadow of the Joker, so you can't see any detail. But when you look at Jack Napier, his hair is kept. It's neat. It's rigid. It's very organized. Um, so you see contrasting personality traits already when the story starts. So when the actual story starts, well, with, with Jack and Batman standing toe-to-toe, face-to-face, Batman, as you see, is standing kind of forward, kind of aggressive, um, almost to say that he's being held back from doing what he wants to do um, by the chains. And then Napier is standing relaxed, almost mockingly, um, to where Batman, like I said, is leaned forward, body tensed and held back only by the restraints. And he looks at Batman and says, Batman, I need your help. And that's where that portion of the story ends. And that's just the first two, three pages, I think. Um, so when the actual story starts, it starts one year in the past. So you start one year in the past and it just shows the Batman pursuing Joker, Joker laughing crazily and on a hoverboard um, and, and Batman in the Batmobile. Um, now in this, he's basically mocking Batman saying that um, he jumps over a bridge and he calls it the old drawbridge routine, which it's the drawbridge that's going up and they have to jump. Um, now you see Barbara Gordon, who is AKA Batgirl and she's saying she's warning Batman of things around um, telling him to watch out for the fairy, watch out for the fairy, watch out for the fairy. And then Joker, again, mockingly, he says, big round of applause from the audience. Basically making this a game in true Joker fashion. And then as he goes around and this pursuit is happening, he just calls the next movement that he's going to do the next gag. So to Joker, this is one big joke, one big show, one big performance, so to speak. Um, and then he calls it roof driving, where Batman follows him. Um, and then Barbara Gordon, of course, is is kind of acting like a personified conscience for Batman. And she's telling him, there's people in these buildings, watch out. How do you know they won't crumble? And Batman just doesn't listen. Um, and now Joker is seemingly leading them into, or definitely leading them into, a group of people or group of works guys that are working on the road pouring cement and he opens the valve to the cement truck and he's just making it basically making it an imp impedance for the Batmobile. Um, and this is where, where Joker says, you know, get the audience involved. So he's trying to put people in harm's way because I feel like, and this was my interpretation. He felt like he knew that Batman was kind of being reckless and you can almost see it because Batman mows right through the poured cement and he basically almost runs into one of the public work public's work guys and then Nightwing swoops in and kind of uh, grabs the guy out of the way to keep him from being hurt. And now Nightwing says that it's kind of hard to see you know, things around you when you're going so fast or when you're, when you're pedals all the way down. Um, and then he tells Batgirl to get a leash on him. And then Barbara Gordon goes, dude, he doesn't listen. So it's almost like Batman has tunnel vision in this, in this instance. And 
all he's focused on is where Joker's going because he just he's just talking about where he is. He he's not even paying attention to the conversation between Nightwing and Batgirl. He just says he's headed into the industrial district. Move. So he's barking orders, only focused on the task at hand and not everything else around him, um, like the collab- potential collateral damage that could happen. Uh, and then Barbara Gordon just basically states it. It's like I'm not even here. He doesn't even listen. And that's when you're alluded to some of the sort of the dissension that Barbara Gordon is noticing that he's getting worse, that he's getting more and more reckless. And she says, I don't know what to do. And then Nightwing says, do what I do, leave. Um, And now in the next panel, you see Barbara Gordon and Nightwing in pursuit of Batman, who's in pursuit of the Joker, and a civilian has been knocked on the ground. And then when Barbara Gordon, or Batgirl, I will say from now on, says, are you okay? The security guard basically speak against Bat- speaks against Batman, basically saying that, you know, this guy knocked me down. He ran into me. I was just trying to tell him what entrance the Joker was going in. So the civilian who was trying to help Batman was just basically, he didn't even concern himself with him. He moved him out of the way forcefully. Um, and then Joker, again, mocking Batman, uh, congrats on another great performance partner. So he's calling him his partner. So I want you guys to pay attention to that. He's calling him his partner. Um, and then he says, wait until you, they make a play set. So basically he's saying that them two are partnered up for a grander scheme. Um, and then he's asking, can you stand against criticism or construct constructive criticism? And he tells him it was a little reckless at the construction site, almost flattening one of the workers. So even the Joker's noticing this. And then he alludes to a question. Now, this is foreshadowing in this in this question. He says, do you pay for it or does the city? Talking about the damaged rooftops. And then Batman says, this is not a performance. Basically, they're just going back and forth. And then now this back and forth is really important in my in my opinion. So I'll read it word to word. And word for word, and he goes, I was a little surprised at the ending, knocking knocking the security guard out of the way. It's hard to help you if you're going to break the character. Batman answers, help me, like he's surprised. Joker continues, why sure, by always being there to challenge you, raising the stakes, making you stronger each time. That's what makes our relationship so special. I'm your greatest villain because I'm your biggest fan. Batman, almost seemingly... Um, oblivious to this fact there is no relationship now who's crazy Joker says we're Gotham's favorite power couple and like any couple we're supposed to fight so again pay attention to that so now this fight has got the police involved so the GCPD shows up and Commissioner Gordon with uh, Renee Montoya and Bullock show up So then you have Nightwing and Batgirl talking to the security guard, and they ask him what's in the building, guns, and he goes, pills. Just a bunch of medical crap the FDA is going to toss. Now Nightwing asks a very integral question, what the hell does Joker want with pills? And then the security guard just basically tells him, uh, tells Batgirl, go get him, you're my daughter's favorite, Commissioner Gordon standing right there. 
And then you see Batman punching Joker. And then Joker still, you know, stuck on, we're a team, we're a team, we are, uh, that's our dynamic, all that's missing is makeup sex. I don't expect you to acknowledge it, you are, after all, the distancer. I'm over, I'm an overly complicated one. So he's alluding to the personality types that he and Batman exude. Now, the difference between him and Batman, or what he's really touching on, is that Batman is a distancer, not with just the what he's trying to joke about um, between himself and Batman, but he's a distancer with everybody, with basically everybody that he's he's worked with. Batman, that being Batman, um, and then Batman tries to make a case, and he says, "You only pretend we're a team because it gives you purpose, it makes you feel special, but your ego won't let you see the truth." And what's that? Joker says, "You don't matter, not to me, not to Gotham, not to anyone." And then that bothers Joker. Ouch. Cards on the table, huh? Is this the part where we get to be completely honest with each other because I don't have to hold back? You're not holding back. You've got nothing. And now this is, if anybody's been in, our, uh, in an argument, you can kind of piece together where this is going. Um, and then Joker just basically lets it out. After all these years, you still have no idea what I'm capable of. I could have beaten you at any point, turned the city completely against you whenever I wanted to, but I chose to hold back, giving you only what you could handle because I don't want to wreck what, we've, we, what we had. Admit it, I gave you Gotham City. This corrupt war zone is the home we created together. The only reason Gotham allows you to exist is because they're so terrified of me. Admit it. And Batman will not admit that he's wrong. Because in this case, in my opinion, Joker's right. He continues that he is the only one that really knows Batman. His, his vigilantism isn't about justice, it's about controlling. So Batman is essentially a pseudo-fascist, like a small fascist, because he wants everybody to do what he wants to do, even with his teammates. So case in point, this story will make you guys sort of hate Batman, sort of dislike Batman. Um and then that's when you see the medications, the pills that are around that were alluded to before. And then this fight has moved to the outside. So it's around everybody. And Joker is not lamenting. He's admitted you can't even build a family because of the very thought of thought of one terrifies you. How many innocent children will you ruin with your nightmare? So he's speaking to the point of Robin, to Robin and Batgirl, which is Nightwing and Batgirl at this point. Is that Nightwing or Robin? I've lost track because they keep disappearing. Now, he's alluding to Jason Todd, who has not shown up in the story, but, you know, there might be evidence of him. Even Gordon is fed up watching his men turned into cannon fodder on the front lines of a war they did not ask for. He's pretty much saying that Batman started a war, and Joker is the only one that has been continuing it. It's all falling apart and you're incapable of stopping it because the tide is turning. People are starting to not think along the same lines as Batman. They're trying, they're starting to get tired. And then Joker basically just puts it all out there. He says, face it as he's getting hit between every punch, face it whack in Gotham city. He gets punched again. The greatest villain is you, and that's what throws Batman off. 
I see Gotham more clearly than any of you, and you won't admit it. To you, I'm just a psycho in makeup. You left me no choice but to come here tonight and prove it to you with these. And he shows him the pills. If I can get better, I can get this city back on track. Finally show you that you need me. And Batman says, fine. And he starts to force feed him pills and almost suffocate him. And everybody's standing around watching this. And somebody videotaped it. You don't know who it is, but it's just a woman that walked away in a red coat. And she's videotaping it. So basically, to summarize the beginning of this story, you are shown that Joker is going is basically saying that he can turn this city around and he's basically putting himself on medication. So one thing I want everybody to realize about the Joker is Joker has a genius level intellect. Only few people have talked about it, but he is a genius. The only thing that takes away from his genius is his psychosis, is the fact that he is the Joker or he has manic periods. So Essentially, he's telling people that he can do better than them. All he needs is medication. And then now you further along, they take Joker into custody as he's been beaten to a pulp. And now you go into what's uh, the Gotham Insider, which the anchors well enough is, I can't remember his name, but it looks like a I think he's a conservative uh, news anchor. And then you have a woman on here that looks like Gail King. Um, and they're going back and forth. Which they call this scandal the Batgate scandal. Stunning footage of Batman's assault on the Joker has gone viral. Causing many, of the, many to question the GCPD and the Dark Knight's methods. So you have one person going along the standpoint of the people. Of people questioning the motivations and the, and the and the methods of Batman and the GCPD and them allowing him to do stuff. And then you have the male, male, male anchor saying that basically he's advocating for their methods, for Batman. Um, and they go back and forth saying their points. One's against it, one's not. Uh, and we could all mirror, this mirrors what's been going on in the past few years. Um, with all the political talk and all the news, basically. Um, so we go forward, and we're at a point where we see Bullock, Renee Montoya, or Harvey Bullock, Renee Montoya, and Gotha, or um, GCPD's commissioner, James Gordon, and they're sitting, looking in a window at a Joker sitting on a, on a gurney, basically in a coma. And... Harvey Bullock speaking against Batman. Renee Montoya is speaking for Batman. He, and she's saying that, um, or he's saying that Batman's a maniac, and I'm glad people are starting to see it. And then Montoya is saying that Batman has saved dozens of lives of cops, even yours, Bullock, allowing a weirdo to fight crime in his underwear. What kind of city lets this happen? And basically, that's Bullock's standpoint. And... Gordon pipes in and he says the GCPD has nothing to do with Batman. Remember, as far as I'm concerned, we're not having this conversation. And Bullock basically calls him on it. He says, that's BS. You've been allowing this. Um, I've wanted to arrest Batman and you wouldn't let me. You just basically stood by and let him do all this. Um, he basically says he beat Napier almost. Un uh, he beat Napier unconscious. That loophole isn't going to work anymore. And then Batgirl steps in.
So they have So Gordon says, if you'll excuse me, he's going to talk to Batgirl. Harvey ends this with going, if Batman wore a badge, you would arrest him and have him charged with assault. Which he's right. If Batman had the checks and balances of being a police officer or a peace officer, Gordon would have arrested him for excessive force. How we think our police officers would have been doing, would, would be done. And then Batgirl and him have a conversation and they and she basically asks how joker is because he's a citizen nonetheless regardless of what he did what he's done he is a person affected with a mental disorder and she is concerned for his well-being because her mentor caused him to be put in a hospital bed and basically in a coma so gordon tells her that not sure hasn't said a word since we brought him back to arkham so they're in arkham asylum right now in the medical ward we don't know anything about the pills, the side effects, the doses, nothing. No, So nobody knows because this was FDA stuff that was warehouse. So discontinued, so to speak. So any information probably is nowhere to be had. Or if they do, if they do have it, they have to like look for it really deeply. And then he says, well, she asks, is he going to be okay? Gordon says, probably Napier's one tough son of a bitch. But he'll be honest, he's not the one that Gordon's worried about. And then you get this big montage. It's basically Joker becoming the Joker. And then he wakes up in a cell. In his cell, I want you guys to, and I'll, and if I can, I will post pictures of this on the Hero Complex. That way you guys can see some of the pictures that are in this book. But I implore you guys, get this book. It is really good. Plus, there's a sequel to it, and it, and it plays a big part into this one. But this book is really awesome. So when you look at this, when you look at this panel, it's, it's everything that has ever been done with Batman from the movie. It even has scenes from the movie in it. Um, Joker with the big, long 44 that he had in, in the 1989 Tim Burton film. Uh, Batman, the animated series uh, poster with, you know, Batman in the moonlight. And then you have Batman's utility belt, um, the Batmobile he had in the movie, so on and so forth. All these are remnants of everything in Batman's history. And he's just sitting in a bed and he's not wearing makeup. Mind you, remember that he's not wearing his makeup. So... He's feeling the effects of the medication that he was forced to take. So then we cut to uh, Bruce Wayne, Dick Grayson, and Barbara Gordon being in Man Wayne Manor. And Dick Grayson is just yelling at him. He's, what the hell's gotten into you, Batman? You're completely out of control. And Batman has people or Bruce Wayne has people out in the sitting area and he's like a little louder, Dick. And then Barbara Gordon the, being the calm voice says that we're worried about you. And even he says the pills are a mystery, hard to determine what's even in them. Like they were designed to be elusive. And then Dick says he's not listening again. And then Barbara Gordon alludes. He, he, she just Bruce, look, tell me what's wrong. Please let us in. And then he says, come with me. 
And then Dick, he's asking a side question. Do you have any buildings that don't have mystery staircases in them? And then as he leads them down to a basement, they see Alfred, Alfred in a hospital bed. So Alfred is dying. Um, and then when he's asked how, what is he dying of Batman or Bruce Wayne says, I don't know. How has he been? How long? And he doesn't know how long he's been like this as he's being asked this question. And then Dick notices that he looks over and it's freeze technology, Victor freeze, the Mr. Freeze, the villain. So he asked him, you're working with freeze. We've been able to progress a lot for both of them. And then Barbara asks him, why didn't you tell us? And then that's when Bruce kind of breaks down. I was hoping I could fix it so you wouldn't see him like this. So he's seemingly trying to protect them from this part of their lives, from this loss. And he couldn't hold it together. He can't hold it together. So then the next panel you will see is Joker sitting in his hotel room. And he goes on to this big monologue, basically explaining how he felt about Gotham. And... When when he came or his thought of Gotham when he was on when he was younger was that it was this intriguing place full of energy, the center of the of the universe. And that's all that he wanted to do was venture to Gotham and, and go there. But he found that it was a lie. Gotham was just as boring as the farm. So he tried to spice it up and be a comedian, tried to make him laugh. But he was a bad comedian, which that goes back to. Alan Moore's The Killing Joke, because that is the only place where you see an actual, like, actual origin of the Joker, of him being a comedian. So they stuck with that, so they put it in this book. And now, when you're seeing this, you see all the stuff that Joker had in his cell is just damaged, just broken. So it's not, it's something that he wanted to get rid of. Now, when it cuts to a different panel... He's sitting by his window and he's talking, but you find out he's talking to Batman. So he says, I sucked at comedy, just couldn't connect. You can't elicit emotion out of people in a city gone numb. So he's talking about the people of Gotham City. Gotham needed to be awakened, uh, is what he figured, if not by humor, by something more potent. And what he deems as more potent is terror. So he turned to crime. He managed to keep it, uh, to get quite a rise out of most of the people in Gotham through, through his methods. And then Batman showed up and then woke him up in ways that Joker never could. So Joker latched onto that. He had to know more about, he had to know you, or he had to know Batman, anything about Batman. And then even if that meant that Joker had to become his nemesis, at least they would be close. That closeness, that that being Batman's nemesis, gave him a chance to know, know Batman like no other. Because if you remember, Bat uh, Joker has done things to Batman in Batman's history, even in canon, that nobody has ever done. He's killed a, a he seemingly killed a Robin. He has crippled Barbara Gordon. He has like done things to the people closest to to Batman. Um, even recently in the Joker War, he is he has dismantled Wayne Tech and took every single dollar that Batman has or Bruce Wayne has and took every single piece of equipment that Batman has. Um, so he's done some really, really monumental things to Batman. 
And then he basically alludes that, you know, nothing changed, nothing. It didn't make Batman like him or anything at all because love and hate are the same is what he says. But now it's over. It was over. It was over long ago. I just didn't want to admit it. And now I'm forced. I forced myself. I'm forced to ask myself what happened. Did you change or did I ever really know you at all? So then we cut to another scene. And then it is the director of Arkham Asylum and I think a lawyer for Arkham or a therapist, basically. And so... The Arkham Asylum, the director of Arkham Asylum, where I think this is the mayor, actually, he's asking Gordon, are we just supposed to turn a blind eye to Batman now? Blah, 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 blah. And it's basically just two local officials or uh, elected officials asking about this. And then Dr. Wesley Tompkins walks in. Dr. Dr. uh, Wesley Tompkins is basically a psychiatrist, and she did a psychiatric evaluation on Jack Napier. And basically, she says... Jack Napier has made a full recovery, sir. It took some plastic surgery and a lot of stitches, but physically he's going to be fine. Physically he's healed, but I'm extremely worried about his mental condition. He's the Joker. He's 100%, he's 100% mental condition. Then she says, not anymore. No more laughter, no more smile, no more makeup, no more Joker. Really, Joker is gone, so to speak. Then she basically says, Joker is cured. Whatever condition that he had, it's cured. You can't fake a CAT scan or IQ test. He's scoring well beyond the genius level. That's when she says he's been up for three days. What has he been working on? His legal case. And that's where I will end this. Part two will come up in the next edition. Thank you for listening. Come see me next time.